0: If you're going to put something on social media today during the sermon, after the sermon, whatever, use that hashtag. There's that email address right there. And if you're not getting our uh, newsletter, make sure you ask for it. And this is the way you get sermon notes. This is the way you can get really any information that you need from the bridge. And we're not perfect, and sometimes we drop the ball. So if you send an email and you don't get a perfect response, hit us up again. Hit us up again. Call. We, hey, we've put phones in. So you can call us. Let us know what you need here at the church. Everybody good? Amen? Who's ready for the word? Yep. Thank you so much. So we're camping out. In Matthew chapter 18, we are camping out right there in that chapter, and so if you want to get your Bible and go there, that's fine, or on your tablet or your phone or whatever, that's fine. We're going to be putting some of the scriptures up on the screen, but we're not going to be putting them all up there because there's just so many I want to mention uh, today. We're talking about, because Matthew 27 really draws this picture, Matthew 27 is a chapter really you ought to go back and read monthly because it just reminds us of the suffering. Of Jesus. It reminds us of the humiliation that Jesus went through. It reminds us, Pastor Andy said it so well during communion today, of the price he paid for your freedom, for your liberty. Not just in this life, thank God, in this life, but for eternity. You ever think about that? Uh, you know, what you do with Jesus determines what God does with you. In eternity and so we just thank our Lord for his salvation that is not by works works will come when you surrender your life to him but we are not made right with God by our works amen and we talked about that last week and let's go ahead and talk about um, uh, that as a review this week but we're looking at who was at the cross Who was there? Who was at the cross the day Jesus died? What attitudes were at the cross? Because Matthew tells us in Matthew 27 the different mindsets, the different philosophies and the different ways of thinking that were around the cross on that day. And last week we found out that self-righteousness was all around the cross that day. Self-righteousness crucified the Lord Jesus. If you didn't hear that message from last week, I hope you'll go online and get that message. It's so important. But let me just show you a couple of things in review. Matthew 27, the first verse, tells us that self-righteousness was there. It says, When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. Who were those chief priests and elders? Who were these scribes? Who were these Pharisees. They were very, very religious people, and they were very, very moral outwardly. As a matter of fact, if you back up, and don't do it now, but if you back up to Matthew 23, and you, if you ever want to hear Jesus unload, I mean, Jesus did unload from time to time. I know he was this compassionate love, but boy, He would unload. And i got to tell you, man, Jesus saved his toughest words for religious people. Jesus saved his toughest words for self-righteous people. Man, you want to see Jesus get riled up? Self-righteousness riled him up people who said we're holier we're better we know more of the Bible we're more spiritual we obey all the rules we obey all the laws as a matter of fact and I told you this last week and I'm gonna just mention it really quick but in Luke 15 such a beautiful picture there Jesus is about to teach about the prodigal son he's about to teach about the lost coin and about the lost sheep and right there before he does that teaching the Bible says the religious people stood afar off from Jesus and murmured against him and the sin sinners drew near. Sinners, unbelievers, unchurched, they loved him. They wanted to be around him because he was genuine. He was real. He wasn't religious. He was real. The religious people hated him. Listen to me. Here's what I'm telling you. It was self-righteous people who crucified our Lord. It was, if I can say this, and I know it's hard to hear this, and I know what I'm about to say, we are this in a sense, but in that context of that day, it was church people. Religious people, self-righteous people crucified our Savior. Can I say to you that religion never brought anybody one inch closer to Jesus? Religion will not get you closer to Jesus. I like what one old preacher said. He, said. he said, righteousness will not get you to Jesus, but Jesus will get you to righteousness. So it's in our relationship with him that we are made righteous. See, our ability to live in a pleasing way to God, and can I just tell you this? You're never going to get that perfect. You're never going to get that perfect. You're going to be working toward a righteous life, and you're going to be working toward a life that's like Jesus' life, and you're going to be working toward, and you're going to be having that as your desire, and you're going to be praying, and you're going to be fasting, and you're going to be in your word, and you're going to be serving, and you're going to be giving, and you're going to be a blessing to people. But listen to me. You're never going to get it perfect. You're going to keep messing up. You're going to keep making mistakes. You're going to keep stumbling. You're going to keep having bad attitudes, saying the wrong thing, reacting the wrong way. But you bring that back to him every time and lay it at his feet and submit yourself anew and afresh. And every time you do that, you are deeper in him. You are closer to him. You are more mature. Am I making any sense up here today? But these people thought they didn't need Jesus. Matter of fact, Jesus really, really bothered them. Because Jesus hung around unchurched people. Jesus hung around people who weren't religious. He hung around people who uh, were not self-righteous. Now, some of them were pretty rough, but they were real. They were genuine. Jesus hung around them so much that the Pharisees said, He's a partier. Jesus is a partier. You say, well, I must be like Jesus. Somebody said that about me last week. No, that could be different. But they accuse you. Listen now, this is so important. Because Jesus didn't just hang around Christians. And can I just say this to you? The longer you're a Christian, the fewer unbelievers you're going to know. So to know unbelievers and to have relationship with unbelievers... As a Christian, you have to strategize that. You have to be intentional about that. How many of you right now, just think about it, and you might need more time to think about it, but how many of you knew when you got saved, or how many of you remember, when you got saved, you knew a lot more unbelievers then than you do now? Amen. Because the longer you're a Christian, the fewer of them you know. But Jesus was intentional about being with them. He was called a glutton, Because he went to the buffets you know the Bible says buffet your body daily y'all didn't know I was in there did you I think the words buffet that might be different it is it means keep your body in subjection every day keep your body in subjection to the Spirit but when I was in Bible college we used to always tease about that and go hey guys y'all ready to go eat lunch Bible says buffet your body daily amen so y'all can use that one quote it word of God man Um, where was I? So, so they accused Jesus of being a glutton, and, a, and the Bible uses this king, a winebibber. In other words, he drank, he partied, and they accused him. They said, oh, he's a glutton, a wine winebibber, he's a partier. And you know what he was doing? Wasn't doing any of that. He was hanging around unsaved people because he wanted to influence them. Now, now you ought to be careful with that. Because if you're not careful and you're not really rooted and grounded, they can draw you away. Amen? So if you're kind of new in the Lord and you're kind of you're fresh, you know, in the Lord, and you, yeah, then, then, you know, you want to you wanna not isolate yourself from unbelievers, but you've got to be really, really careful hanging around them in a social way because you can get drawn in. So you've got to be strong. Are you all with me out there? You've you got to be strong if you're, if you're going to have an intentional strategy um, to influence unchurched people. And I didn't have any of that in my notes, so I'm not going to charge y'all for that. That's free. I'm going to just let y'all have that one. And I know you're getting nervous, like, how long is he going to preach? Is he still reviewing? Yes, I am. <laughs> Again, what are you going to do? <laughs> Fire me? All right. Uh, people don't need religion, Amen. They need to turn from religion and turn to Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew five twenty, Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You know what Jesus was saying right there? He was saying, you better hope you got more righteousness than the Pharisees because they're going to hell with their righteousness. He said, you want to go to heaven? You better have a a righteousness that exceeds theirs, and the only righteousness that exceeds theirs is what Jesus can give you in salvation. When you come to Jesus, he will give you his righteousness. You do know that's the only righteousness that will get you into heaven. You say, well, I can't get his righteousness. Yes, you can, because it's a gift. It's a gift. Oh, so much good teaching we could do right there. Let's go to Ephesians real quick. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And I know we read this last week, but it's just so good. You need this. God saved you by his when you believe. Man, that's it. And you can't take credit for him saving you because it is a from daddy God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. You're not going to heaven because you've been good. I want you to be good, but you're not going to heaven because you're good. So none of us can boast about it. I mean, if you could go to heaven on your goodness, you you could brag about yourself. Who did that? Pharisees. Remember the guy, remember the Pharisee that was in the altar praying with the sinner guy? And the sinner was praying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the Pharisee went, Lord, I thank you. Have you ever noticed some people get spiritual? They even talk different. Sound like they swallowed a steeple? I thank you, God, that I am not like other men. That's what he prayed. See, I know God's merciful, because if I had been God, it would have been, boom! Little dust, little Pharisee dust. But I'm not God, because the mercy he gave that Pharisee that day, he's given it to me. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't it amazing how we depend so much on his mercy and then when he gives some other some other people mercy, we're like, man, why don't God do something about that? Man, you better hope God don't change his ways when it comes to mercy. Woo. Verse 10. For we are not our own masterpiece. We didn't make ourselves. We are what? As a Christian, we are what? We are masterpiece. He has created us a new in Christ. Not in your works, not in you doing good, being good. And look, we're all about good works here. I met a person in the hall just a while ago, and she said, Pastor, I'm in my uniform, my nursing uniform. She said, Because I'm going to the soup kitchen today, and we're going to have the uh, medical uh, Bridge to Hope unit's going to be there, and we're going to minister to the homeless. Is that not awesome? Isn't that awesome? But look, amen. But she's not doing that to be right with God. She's doing it because she is right with God. And how do you get right with God? Through his grace. That's good. And I hadn't even started yet, and it's so good. Not to mention my humility. So we, we're created new in Christ, and I should have made this next part yellow. We're created new in Christ. Why? Why are we created new in Christ? So we can what? Come on. Do good things. He what? See, we got it backwards. We're like, if I do good, I'll be right with God. No, 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 no. Get right with God and out of that, you'll do good. So good. So good. The worst form of human badness is human goodness when it becomes a substitute for the new birth and the new birth is talked about in John 3. That's a great line right there. I can't remember who said that, but that is a great line. I think I just said it. So So as we examined the hearts and attitudes of the people surrounding the cross on the day of the crucifixion last week, we talked about the fact that self-righteousness crucified Jesus. You know what though? Hey, listen. Self-righteousness as bad as it is, as much as it made Jesus sick, For that sin, Jesus died. For the sin of self-righteousness, not just the sin of adultery and fornication and murder and and robbing and stealing, but look, for the sin of self-righteousness, Jesus died. And if you've been struggling with that, God will forgive you. And God will make you a loving, non-judgmental person. Amen. So number two, and this kind of overlaps, these two kind of overlap. The second attitude we see is hypocrisy. When we look at the crowd who was at the cross, we see hypocrisy there. I know it because guess who was there? Judas. Look at Matthew 27, 3 and 4. Then Judas, his what? Betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful. I want you to notice that. And brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have what? Sinned by betraying innocent blood, talking about Jesus. Now, I want you to notice, I think it's interesting. First of all, let me ask a question. Do you believe that the Bible, the whole Bible, is inspired by the Holy Spirit? Amen. That is what we believe. Now I want you to notice he could have used any word he wanted to use right here. The best word he could have used right here had it been true is not the word remorseful, but the word repentant. It doesn't say that Judas repented. It says that Judas was sorry he got caught. He was remorseful about what he had done. He felt bad about it. Can I just say this to you? It isn't enough to just feel bad about it. you got to repent of it. The word repentance is actually a military term that means about face. Judas didn't make an about face. He didn't turn away from his sin and turn toward Jesus. That's what repentance means. Repentance means you are marching towards sin, self, and Satan, and you embrace that, and you all of a sudden, because of the word of God that has been preached or truth that has come to you, you understand who you are, you understand who God is, and you turn, you do an about face, and you turn your back on sin, self, and Satan, And you embrace the Lord Jesus. So I'm saying to you today, who maybe thought you were being repentant and you're only being remorseful. You're only like, oh man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry that hurt you. No man, repentance. Turn your back on that. Turn your back away from it. Judas was at the cross when they crucified Jesus. Judas was actually one of the ones who led Jesus to the cross. He was one of the 12 disciples, yet he was a hypocrite. So if hypocrites could creep into Jesus' group, how many of you know they're going to creep into our group? Amen? You know, uh, I'm about to jump ahead, and I, I want to be really careful about jumping ahead. People go, um, well, I can't go to the bridge. There's a hypocrite out there. Really? Really? Hmm, call Channel 5 News got a big alert going on right there every church I've ever been in has hypocrites in it come on and the Bible says that Judas was one of the 12 as a matter of fact he was one of the he was one of Jesus 12 and he was a hypocrite Jesus called him that but he was not just a hypocrite Jesus called him something else and I just thought of this at another place in the Bible he said there's a something among you and he called it do y'all, anybody remember what he said? A devil. There's a devil. He looked at the twelve and said, there's a devil among us. Wow. <laughs> Jesus didn't play, did he? Jesus um, knew Judas was pretending to be a follower. And he knew that in the heart of Judas was a, a heart of greed and envy only pretending to love him he knew judas was only pretending to love him i'm not going to ask you to turn there we're not going to put this scripture on the board because we just don't have time to get into it but there is a place in the bible where mary y'all remember this story i've told it many times i know Uh, y'all have heard me tell it many times if you've been coming here, where she got so consumed in her love for Jesus and her appreciation of Jesus and and how Jesus had raised her brother Lazarus from the dead. She was so full of thanksgiving. She was so full of... uh, Just appreciation for what God had done for her. And that's the way we ought to come to church every Sunday. Even if we've had a tough time, we ought to come in thanking him for all the stuff he's done for us. Come on, amen, amen, amen. And that's how Mary was. And the Bible says that she ran to the back and she got out this box. And inside was this container of Spikenard. And Spikenard was like perfume. It was a fragrance. It It cost about 300 pence. And back in that day, a person made about one pence a day, so it was almost a whole year's wages. And she came back, and the Bible doesn't say she took the top off and said, hold out your hand, Jesus. I love you so much, I'm going to give you a little bit of this. Easy. Don't spill it. It's precious. What does the Bible say she did? Come on. Broke it. Why? Because she was going to give him what? Every drop, every bit of it. so much to preach on right there. And the Bible says she poured it all over him and she took her hair and she just used it like a towel. And the Bible says the fragrance filled the house, and that's, the what, that's what's supposed to happen here on Sunday and when we gather for worship, the fragrance of our worship, because that's what Mary was doing. She was worshiping Jesus, and the fragrance of our worship ought to fill this house. Listen to me. And the fragrance of our worship ought to spill beyond these walls. Amen? And spill into the community. Boy, you could smell that fragrance everywhere. And guess who was there? Guess who was there when all that happened? Oh, Judas was there. And Judas spoke up and said, Well, that's all good. But we could have sold this and given the money to the poor. Man, he had to have been running for some office. Amen. I mean, we could have given the money to the poor. Now, I love John in John 12. And don't go there, but just write it in your notes. John, John said, Judas said this not because he cared about the poor, for he had never cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He said it because he was a thief. He was greedy. He was envious. And since he had the money box, he was the treasure. I mean, Judas is a hypocrite. Judas is full of greed and envy, and they made him the treasure. Come on, guys. And the Bible says he pilfered the treasury of God. Jesus, he pilfered, he stole from, embezzled from the very treasury of the disciples and Jesus. Judas, you know, he, betray, he betrayed Jesus. How did he betray him? How did he identify Jesus to those Roman soldiers? You remember? He kissed him. It was a, it was a kiss of honor, it was a kiss of of affection it was that's what that greeting someone with a holy kiss by the way i gotta tell you i'm glad they cut that out that's just me personally i'm like what's up dude and that's it fist bump then if i'm really scared of you i'm just like off over here going what's up anyway judas pretended to love the lord he pretended and when he came up in Luke 22, and all those disciples, you remember, you remember the setting. I mean, uh, the setting was that they were in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. That's where Jesus said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. I mean, Jesus knew what was coming. He knew the pain. He knew the torture. You say, yeah, but he was God. He shouldn't have prayed that. He was also man. man, 100% God. The man part of him said, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. The God part of him said, nevertheless, not what? Come on, not, but your will be done. And it was right after that that all of a sudden there was a commotion. The Roman soldiers are coming to arrest him. And here comes Judas and gives him a little peck on the cheek, maybe on both sides. And Jesus says, Judas, if I can put this in the pharaoh Hardison version, really, you're going to betray the Son of Man this way. With a sign of honor, of respect, of affection. Let's go from John and Luke and Matthew. Let's go to 2 Timothy, if you will. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 8. Because I, what I want to do is bring this home to us how does this apply to me? How does this apply to us? Who wrote Second Timothy? Paul. This is a letter to Timothy, the young preacher. Paul's mentoring Timothy. He writes him two letters. This is the second letter. And in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, he says, Now, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, and we ought to get this, we ought to embrace, we ought to embrace all the Bible, but I mean, We need to know what the last days are going to look like too, right? That in the last days, there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. Well, I guess that's coming. We certainly don't see it now. (laughs) Tongue in cheek. For people will love only themselves and their money. You want to know when Jesus is coming back? then people will love, you'll live in a time when people love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful. What did we just preach on a few weeks ago? Boasting. Remember the love series? If you're full of Jesus and you're full of love, you're not going to be a braggart, you're not going to be a boaster. Here's what will happen in the last days. A lot of boasting, a lot of pride, a lot of scoffing at God. You're going to see disobedience to parents. By the way, you kids do know that the Bible says if you don't honor your mother and father, it's going to cut your life short. I know there's kids out there going, some of that, now. Preacher, what in the world? God's going to kill me? No, you're going to be killing yourself because the Bible says if you want to extend your days on the earth, then you honor your parents. Now, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but I'm assuming from that statement that if you don't honor them, it's going to shorten your days on this earth. There ought to be a sign in every house that says dishonoring your mother and father could be hazardous to your health. (laughs) And in the last days, it says, one of the things we're going to see a whole lot of is disobedience to parents, disrespect. And can I just preach for one minute about that? A lot of times, this is the parent's fault. <laughs> you, you run your house. Run your house. You can't make all their decisions for them, but I, can tell, you, I tell you what you can do. You can say... Because I know you've never heard a parent say this, but you can say, you go eat at my table. Boy said, I want to borrow the car. And his daddy said, get a haircut. He said, Jesus had long hair. He said, yeah, Jesus walked everywhere he went too, didn't he? (laughs) That's bad theology, but it's good. It's funny, isn't it? He took that out of context just a little bit. And look look what look what he says. Man, have we, have we ever lived in a day that's more ungrateful? Have we ever lived in a time where people are less thankful? Driving that BMW. Bitch, moan and whine. Did I say that? Did I? I mean what are y'all gonna do? Fire me? I got to tell you, I've always wanted to say that, but I saved it till I quit. So from now on, from now on, when you hear somebody in the bread, you—I don't know what the new preachers are going to do. Look at them and go, quit driving that BMW. Amen. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jesus. Oh, it's okay? That was all right? All right, thank you. (laughs) Hey, when y'all leave and run into the other people, come in and go, you ain't going to (laughs) believe. Of course, there might be some deacons waiting in the back. I might not say it in the second service. Hey, look, look at another thing. Look at another thing that you can look for in the last days. Nothing is sacred. They will consider nothing sacred. Whew. Man, that's we hadn't even got to the part I won't tell you yet. Go to the next slide. They will be unloving and unforgiving. We were talking about what to look for in the last days. They will slander others. There will be no self-control. You look for people to be cruel and hate what is good. You know what? You don't even have to be a Christian to know that one's true. Some of you guys that are more in my age range, you look right now, you might not even be a Christian, and you go, I I mean, man, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we knew what was bad and what was good. I mean, not because we read it in the Bible, you just common sense knew this is good and this is bad. But it says in the last days they will hate what is good. Mm. They will betray their friends they will be reckless and puffed up with pride and they will love pleasure rather than God. And look at this last verse. They will act hypocr- hypocrisy hypocrites they will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly. They will pr- What did the Pharisees do? They acted religious And rejected Jesus Christ. Stay away from people like that. Well, the fact of the matter is, you can't because they're everywhere. Here's what that means. It means don't let those people influence you. Don't let them influence you. A hypocrite is a counterfeit Christian. Have you ever noticed men don't counterfeit gum wrappers? They counterfeit what? $50 bills. They counterfeit $100 bills. You know why? Because it's worth something, because it's real. Everything that is counterfeited is counterfeited because it is real and because it is valuable. Every counterfeit Christian, every hypocrite you encounter confirms the worth and value of Jesus Christ and convert and confirms the worth and value of real christianity genuine christianity and let me close with this hypocrites in the church are the unbeliever's greatest excuse i mean when you talk to your family who doesn't know the lord and you talk to your friends who don't know the lord and you talk to people at work who don't know the Lord, what do they always tell you? Hypocrites, hypocrites, hypocrites. I want to say a word to you if you're watching online today and you didn't turn off when I talked about the BMW, if you're still with me, I want to talk to you if you're not a Christian today, if you're not a believer, you're curious about Jesus, you're curious about the Bible but you just haven't given your life to Jesus, I want to just speak to you online and I want to speak to you here. Please listen to me. I beg you. Don't allow some Judas in the church to be your excuse for not submitting your life to Jesus Christ. Because if you do, it will keep you from the kingdom of heaven And you can stand before Jesus one day and point out every hypocrite in the bridge. And you know what you could even do? You could even say, I know that Pastor Farrell has even been a hypocrite sometimes. And you know what Jesus will say to you? He will say, you're exactly right, but you're still lost. And you let that be an excuse that kept you from surrendering your life to me. Because I can tell you somebody who will never let you down and who has never been a hypocrite, and that is your Savior, Jesus. The bridge is not your Savior. Pharaoh Hardison is not your Savior. Billy Graham, the greatest Christian you can, is not your Savior, for we all fail. And we all stumble. And sometimes we do it on purpose and do it out of rebellion. Yes, we've all been hypocrites. I've been a hypocrite. I'm begging you if you're here today and you're not a believer, don't let some Judas keep you from surrendering your life to Jesus and preventing you from going to heaven when you leave this earth. I beg you. Like a man saying, I am not going to the doctor anymore because I heard about a doctor who faked their credentials. So I'm never going to a doctor again. I'm never going to a lawyer again when I need legal advice because some lawyers are dishonest. That's ludicrous. Those are the words of a fool. How foolish would it be to go, I'm going to go home and throw all my money away because I heard about some counterfeit money that's being made. Hey, if you do that, let me know (laughs) when you're going to do that. Because I'm going to get me one of them pins that marks the... And I'm going to your house. And I'll take all you want to throw away. Amen? Y'all with me? It's foolish. People who think that way, in the ordinary situations of life, they never would think that way. And you know why they wouldn't? Because it's not logical. It's not reasonable. However, unbelievers today think they have found the the word they can give to the Lord on the last day. And he'll go, oh, man, I didn't know there were hypocrites. Come on in anyway. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. What crucified Jesus? Self-righteousness and hypocrisy crucified Jesus. Who was at the cross that day? The self righteous. The hypocrites, they were there. Were you there when they crucified, my Lord? Yes, we were all there. And the people said, amen. Let's all stand together, would you? I'm going to let you go. I want to say just a couple things to you, and then I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to let you go. But we're going to have people up here to pray for you. After I said what I did about the BMW, some of y'all may want to come pray for me. That's fine. Just don't drive it up here. <laughs> All right? So, so um, we want to pray for you. Don't leave if you want us to talk to you or pray for you. Now, guys, i got to say it again because it ke- we keep backsliding on this. I can't get into long conversations about general things but I'll help you if I can. I can't get into counseling sessions, uh, but I'll pray for you, and these other folks will pray for you. Now, we'll, we'll counsel you, we'll meet with you, and we'll do counseling, but we can't do it up here, okay? So, if you want us to pray for you, we will, and we'll talk to you a little bit, but we just wanna make sure we get to everybody and pray for everybody, alrighty? If you're investigating Jesus, we got some material right over here in this corner, that I'd love for you to pick up on your way out. If you've kind of got questions about God, Jesus, the Bible, we've got it right back here. If you want to take that material to somebody you've been talking to about the Lord, go back there and get that. If you're here for the first time, we've got a gift for you on the way out. Don't forget the cards that are in your seat. Pass out those um, invite cards. Take the other card. Volunteer to serve. At least pray over our Next Generation ministry here at the bridge. Amen, amen, you guys with me? God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for truth. And we thank you, Jesus, that you didn't just put all good stuff in the Bible, but you showed us the ugly stuff so we'd be able to recognize it. And we recognize today that self-righteousness and hypocrisy is ugly stuff, and it was there at the cross when you were crucified. May we examine ourselves that there would be no self-righteousness, no hypocrisy in us. In Jesus' name and everybody.